How many of you know we've been tackling some tough questions on Sunday morning? The last couple of weeks have been pretty tough. Can I get an amen? Those are some tough questions, and I just appreciate a lot of your feedback. And um, this this topic we're talking about today, I have never uh, spoke about in almost 16 years at Living Word, and there's a reason why, for the very reason of the video. This the topic of the Trinity, uh, God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most difficult uh, doctrines to understand and to comprehend. And so what I want to do today is I want to I tackle this for us today because I think sometimes we, we look at, at something or maybe a teaching in the Word of God and we're like, mm, do, do, do I want to think about that? Do I want to dig deeper? And is God so difficult to understand and to know that, that, that he wants it to be a mystery? But I believe that that God wants to know us personally. And, and he wants to know us through God the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. And so I just don't want this to be a um, generic uh, teaching on doctrine that can become very stale and like, you know, Pastor, I could have done a million other things this morning. Uh, but I want this to become real in your life because how many of you know we serve a living God who's not some God that's far off that's far away, that's very difficult to understand and know. But God is near and he wants to know each and every one of you in a very, very personal way. So the topic of the Trinity is probably one of the most difficult things, uh, not only to teach, but to understand. And, and just in the video there, there are so many attempts to try to explain um, the Trinity, yet all these things uh, fall very, very short. And so what I want to do today is I want to look into the word of God and see what God says about himself. And then to take that and not only what does God say about himself, but, but how does God want to relate to us? Now, if you, if you grew up in church, um, you were taught this. And, and you were, you were taught to believe this, even though maybe it didn't make complete sense to you. I remember singing the, the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. And at the end, it would say, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Or maybe you grew up in church where you ended the prayer by saying, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, so to answer the question to you this morning, can I fully explain the Trinity to you? Well, real quickly, no. So let's pray and let's go home. No, I'm just teasing. We're, we're going we're gonna to try and find this out. So, um, and if anyone else tries to say they completely understand it, um, they're crazy too. So we're going to try to understand this and with, with, with our finite minds, with the best of, of our ability to explain this one God in three persons and how does it affect my life here and now. And so this, this the reason why I want to touch on this is like, okay, pastor, why, why do we want to talk about the Trinity? Here's the reason why. With all the major religions in the world, this one issue is probably the most important for this reason. This reason, we believe in the Father, we believe in God the Son, and we believe in the Holy Spirit are one. Not, not one is less than the other. And, and this is where we part ways with many other major religions, such as the Church of the Latter-day Saints 
and the Jehovah's Witnesses because they do not teach on the Trinity. They believe that, that, that these persons are distinct within themselves and actually different and actually less than one another. They do not believe that Jesus is God or equal with God the Father as we do. They believe Jesus was a created being not equal in divinity with God. Now, now you say, well, why is that such a big deal, Pastor? This is huge. This is so Huge, because if this is not true, if Jesus is not God, then he would not be able to take away our sins and to be the perfect sacrifice for you and me. This, this is huge. And so as we look into the word of God, we're going to see what Jesus says about himself. And one argument that many people say is they will say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. I beg to differ. And we're going to see in the very word of God how Jesus claimed to be God and talk to the Father and talk about he and the Father are one. And so this teaching causes many to trip. And, and this doctrine has been misunderstood and many heresies and false teachings has come out of this in recent years and in church history. And so let me first say to this, if, if you're looking in your concordance for the word Trinity, you're not going to find it there. You're not going to find that word, but that doesn't mean that it's not in the word of God. All three are spoken of in the word of God. All three are uncreated. All three are immeasurable. All three are eternal. All three are one eternal. And throughout church history, what we've seen is the church has held to this doctrine. In fact, um, have come to, to find it in many of the creeds, the Nicene Creed that we believe to come against false heresy in church history. So this was a very important doctrine. This is a core doctrine that we believe in the church. This is a closed-fisted doctrine that we believe. This is not something that we're going to argue about. This is not something that is not essential. This is essential because it has everything to do with your salvation and you getting into heaven. And so we need to understand why this doctrine is important. And when anyone deviates from this doctrine, you whittle away from the doctrine of salvation and how a person can come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and, and receive eternal life. So this is, this is vital that we understand this. So, so we see the church holding very dear to this doctrine. And, and for those of you here today that have experienced God the Father and, and God the Son and the Holy Spirit, some of you are like, Pastor, this isn't hard for me to understand. I, I, you know, I may not understand all of it, but, but man, I, I know who God the Father is. I know who Jesus is. I've experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit and these things work in my life and that's great. But I, I, want, I want us to gain a better understanding of this and how it works in our lives and, and how the Godhead works in salvation. So what I want to do is just go through the word of God with you and, 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 and learn what does God say about himself. And so this is what we learn from the word of God. The first thing that we learn from the word of God is we understand from scriptures that God is one. There's not three separate gods, not this plurality of gods that would say, okay, are you polytheistic? That's not what we're saying here. The Bible clearly teaches that the Lord is one. And, and, and this, is, this one verse is the foundation for Judaism. It's the great Shema, which means to hear. And it's found in Deuteronomy 6, 4. And this is what it says. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. That's the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Uh, let's, let's, let's 
skip over into the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 8, 4, Paul says, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. Going on a little bit later, a couple verses uh, beyond that, it says, Paul once again says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and from whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Clearly stating that God is one. We don't worship many gods. We don't serve three gods. We worship one God in three person. Now, scriptures show us that the one person of the Godhead is, is, is often at times seen simultaneously. And at times they interact with each other. And so this is, this is not God acting in three different modes at different times. It, it, it's not sometimes uh, as the Father and then sometimes as the Son and then sometimes as the Holy Spirit. Uh, this was a heresy condemned by the church many years ago called modalism. But we understand through the scriptures that God is one. Uh, and so what he does is, uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make it even more confusing for you. So you're like, okay, Pastor, I get this one thing with God, that God is one. But here's the second thing I want you to know about God is that God is also plural. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor, you just said he wasn't. Well, let, let's see what this says. I'm going to really screw everybody up this morning. Here's what it says. God speaks about himself in pluralistic terms. And, and, and so where do we get this, this concept? It's not only in the New Testament uh, teaching, but we get this from the first book of the Bible in Genesis in the Old Testament. Listen to what God says in the creation story as he creates the world and he creates us in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Listen to what this says. This is going to blow your mind. Then God said, let us, let us make man in whose image? Our image. Who is he speaking of? He's speaking of Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make an orange. It's pluralistic. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds in the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Here's what I want you to understand. God uses plural pronouns and plural verbs to refer to himself, even in the creation story. So we know that, that Jesus is not this created being, that, that he is part of creation, that he always was and always is, as with the Holy Spirit. Let's move on a little bit more. Genesis 3.22. It says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, speaking of the fall, and knowing good and evil, now lest he reach out his hand and, and, and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Um, so once again, speaking, he's become like one of us, this plurality. Isaiah 6, 8, once again, it says, and I heard, this is the calling of the prophet Isaiah. He says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and, and whom will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Now, this next verse I want to give you is probably one of the most quoted Psalms in the New Testament, speaking about the Godhead and Jesus being Lord. And this is found in Psalms 110, verse 1. Now, when you read through the Old Testament, there are many Psalms that are messianic, which means it's speaking of the coming 
Messiah, the one who would rescue God's people from their sins. And there's many Psalms and many teachings in the Old Testament that speak about a Messiah that would come and that would come in the line of David. And Jesus fulfilled that very role as Messiah. And Jesus uses this very Psalm to speak of himself, of those that are listening, saying, hey, we're waiting for the Messiah. Who is he? And what Jesus does is he quotes this very Psalm. And this Psalm says this, sit at my right hand. It says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Listen to what the verse says. The Lord said to my Lord. This is God speaking to himself. The first Lord there is the word Yahweh. This is the proper name of God in the Hebrew. And the second Lord there is another name for God, Adonai. Now, the reason why we see these different forms of the name God is anytime you would say the name Yahweh, this is that personal, proper name of God. This is God. This is God that separates himself from all the other so-called gods and all these other nations and pagan nations around them. And so God says, I am Yahweh God. I am the God. I'm above every other God. But that name was so respected and so holy that for many Hebrews or Jews, they were afraid to mistakenly use the name Yahweh unless they used it in vain. Even if they made a mistake, they could die. And so instead of saying the name Yahweh, they would use the name Adonai, another form of God, so that they wouldn't mistakenly use the name Yahweh in vain. They respected that name because they knew that name was above every other name. And so here we see the Lord is saying to my Lord, sit at my right hand. This is a messianic psalm speaking of the Christ, speaking of Jesus. And what Jesus does is Jesus quotes this very psalm to the religious leaders questioning him about who would be the Christ. And so this very psalm is one of the most quoted in the New Testament speaking of the coming Messiah. Now, and here's the thing. This brought uh, a lot of, animosity um, and anger to those religious people that were listening to this because by Jesus quoting this to them, Jesus was saying, I am God. And that's why they picked up stones to want to kill Jesus because they believed Jesus was blaspheming against God by claiming to be equal with God. And so Jesus says, I am God when he quotes this. Now, this can get confusing. How can something be plural and and one at the same time. Now if you're thinking of 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 one as a number, yes, I can understand that. But if we think of one as unity, it doesn't get so confusing. You're all like, "Huh? What are you talking about, Pastor? It's too early, Pastor. Pastor, you know, this is the 8:30 service, okay? I didn't have any coffee yet, okay? So let me explain it this way. Um what does the Bible say about a man and his wife. It says, they too shall become what? One. So Jesus says that the father and I are what? One. You can have two and we can be one at the very same time. Um, Henry Thiessen in his lectures on systematic theology says this about unity. He says, this unity is, however, not inconsistent with the conception on the Trinity. For a unity is not the same as a unit. 
A unit is marked by mere singleness. The unity of God allows for the existence of a personal distinctions in the divine nature while at the same time recognizing that the divine nature is numerically and eternally one. You can have the both at one time. God can be one yet different at the very same time. You can have that. So let's go on. Let's understand this a little bit. Let's understand this a little bit deeper. Now we understand that God is three in one person. So where do we see this in the scripture where God says the three are one? Well, the, the first passage I want to give you is found in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen because this is so important uh, for us to understand. Here, Jesus gives out this great commission to go in all the world and to baptize his disciples. And what does he say? He says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, one passage that I believe gives the greatest evidence of God in three person, um, where he shows up at the same time is at the baptism of Jesus. And we see this in Matthew three sixteen and 17. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately went up from the water and behold, the heavens opened up to him and he saw the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descending like what? A dove. And coming to rest on him and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So, so this, is, this is a big tripping point for a lot of people. They can say, well, you know, I, I believe Jesus is a good guy. I believe Jesus could be very well prophet. Uh, he could have very well healed people. But Jesus being God, um, I just can't go that far. But I want you to realize that Jesus displayed and spoke of his divinity while he was here on earth. And here's what we know about Jesus and what he spoke about himself and why he is equal with the Father. He claimed to be eternal. John 8:58 says this, Jesus said to them, and this is probably one of the greatest passages of Jesus speaking of his divinity. So if anybody ever comes up to you and says, you show me in the Bible where Jesus speaks of him being God, write this verse down, okay? This is important because they say, well, you know, he speaks of being the son of man, the son of God, but I, where does he say that he's actually God? This is the verse right here. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, and when Jesus says truly, truly, we've come to understand this in other teachings, that he's saying the word there, truly, truly, is actually the word amen, amen. Now, when we amen, we amen on the end of the sentence that we believe is true, right? When we hear God's word, we say, when God's word is spoken, it's truth, and we say, let it be so. This is true, right? This is truth. We're amen. It's oh, by the way. Can say that if you if you agree with something in God's word you can say, Amen. It's okay. So what Jesus does is, Jesus doesn't wait to the end of his sentence. He says, "This is true because I am truth, and what comes out of my mouth is true." So instead of saying Amen at the end of the sentence, Jesus starts with Amen and Amen. So this when he says that when you read that in the Word of God when you see truly truly or verily verily. This means that it's God's truth. This means that what Jesus is speaking, this is truth. That it's absolute truth. So Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, what did he say about himself? I am. Now, now this is important because what, what we see here is God spoke this to Moses 
when Moses was to go to the Israelites, to the Hebrews, and rescue them from Egyptian bondage. And so Moses says, well, okay, God, I hear you speaking to me. Um, you know, what am I supposed to say to them? How do they, how do they know that I'm the guy that's supposed to rescue them from this bondage of Egypt? Um, what do I say to them? And God says to him, tell them that I am sent you. So when Jesus uses this word, I am, the word I am literally means eternal one. No beginning and no end. Now for you and I, you're like, okay, well, that's, I don't have any issue with that. I have no problem with that. But I want you to understand in the context of where he said it was huge because he's saying this in front of religious leaders who know the Old Testament scriptures that if someone were to say, I am, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about, that Jesus is saying, I am who? I am God. And so at that point, they're picking up rocks ready to stone him to death. That's the reason why Jesus went to the cross. It's not because he did anything wrong. It's because he claimed to be God, blasphemy against God, which was worthy of death. Right here, Jesus says, I am God. And, and what we see through the gospels is that Jesus uses this I am statement all through the gospels. Seven times we hear Jesus use the word I am. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the, the bread of life. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. No one would say that unless they were God. And so here Jesus speaks of himself being God. Now the religious at the time wanted to stone Jesus because he was claiming equality with God. Paul echoes this in Colossians 2.9 where he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So now we see Jesus claiming his divinity. And, and now we see uh, the apostles, the apostle Paul, claiming the divinity of Jesus, showing that he indeed is God. Jesus said, anyone who has seen the father has seen me. John 14, 9. Now, how many of you went to understand this unity between the, the, the father, son, and Holy Spirit? How many of you, you just enjoy music? And, and you enjoy when you hear good music and good vocals and good harmony. You're like, that is good vocals. How many of you, you know, when you hear a good three-part harmony where you get three or four people together and they sing in perfect harmony, three different voices. But if the harmony, and I know nothing about music, so I'm just going, I'm just going, I'm going rogue right now. Okay. But I know this, if you get three or four different, you know, I, I listen to one direction. Okay, I'm on the music scene. Okay, I, I'm on it. Okay, I know what's good out there. Okay, so if, if you get um, four good looking guys together, they automatically sing good. Okay, no, I'm just saying. Okay, so listen, if you get three or four voices that, that are good and that can harmonize with one another, doesn't it sound like it's one voice? Even those three different voices, if they can harmonize well together, the way they put their notes together sounds like perfect harmony. How many know when one person is flat or pitchy, 
I have no idea what that means, but I know I watch enough American Idol to know what flattened pitch is. How many know that, that when one is flattened, and you're like, something's wrong there, right? You know, wait a minute, somebody's off there, right? Here's what I want you to understand. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work in perfect harmony with each other. Perfect harmony with each other. God wants us to experience him. He wants us to experience the father. He wants us to experience the son. He wants us to experience the Holy spirit. We see God coming to earth to take our pain and suffering for our sin. Jesus said when, when he would leave this world, he would send another just like him. He would send a comforter to convict the world of sin. He would give us this comforter. The Holy spirit would give us the power and give us gifts to build up the body of Christ. The father points to the son. The son points to the father. Um, the Holy spirit on the father and son, they work in perfect fellowship with one another. Now, here's the thing. Okay, that's all great. Pastor, you convinced me, okay, I believe in the Trinity. It all makes perfect sense to me now. Okay, I'm going to go to a theological seminar and teach this to other people. Okay, you, you get it now. But here's the thing I want you to realize. Um, how, what do we learn from the Trinity? How do, we, how do we live this out? Because I believe God wants us to actually live this out practically in our daily living, not, not, not just let it be some, um, some stale theological concept. God wants us to live out this Trinitarian belief in our lives. And let me just, as, as I just wrap this up, let me give you three things on how you can live this out in your life every day. So you just don't walk away and say, okay, I learned about the Trinity. Okay, that's great. And I learned that, that, you know, Jesus is divine. They're all equal and so on and so forth. But let me, let me give you three ways that you can live, live this out in your life. The first thing about Trinitarian living is that I see within the, the fellowship of the Trinity is this, is perfect unity. And, and how do we live out this unity in, in our life? Because, because when you look at the Trinity, you don't see one trying to shine out the other, or one try to outdo the other. It's an honoring. It's, it's a constant lifting up and honoring as as one glorifies the next. And so as the Trinity works in perfect unity, one is not outshining the other. It's perfect fellowship. One is lifting up the other. And in order for God to be glorified in our lives, we have to be part of that. It's like a perfect team working in perfect unity. Um, If you ever watch a football game, you, you understand that a football team has a job, and they can't do it without each other. The, the kicker needs the holder. The quarterback needs uh, the center. If everyone on the football team did their own thing, how many know it would just be complete chaos? Everybody has a job to do. And when you work as a team, you actually work in unity. And, and I, I look at that in, in the church. If we're going to work in unity, if we're going to uh, have the Trinity be glorified in our very lives, we're here to lift up each other. We're here to be part of a team. We have a team of ushers and greeters and worship teams and kids teams. And, and let, me just, let, let me just encourage you, be part of a team. The, the church here, we work together. We can't, one can't work without the other. And when we understand that God wants me to be part of this team, part of the family of God, not, not just to, to sit and listen, but to be part of a team to allow God to use the giftings that he's given me to lift up the body, to, 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 to allow someone else to get the glory, to encourage somebody else, 
That's allowing Trinitarian uh, uh, understanding work in your life. That the church is more than just coming to a place. The church is about being part of the family of God. Being part of a team. Allowing God to use my gifts and talents so that Jesus is glorified in our midst. And that's what I love about the body of Christ. I, I love seeing you guys just doing life together and volunteering and using your gifts and talents, whatever they are, to lift up Jesus' name. And when that happens, the church walks in unity and it becomes a very, very special place. It becomes a very powerful place because we're not doing it for our own glory. We're doing it for God. We're not trying to outshine. We're trying to lift each other up. That's what a team is all about. I, I love when, you know, a lot of times you see one person on the team, like the quarterback, he, he's the one that always gets interviewed. I don't think I've ever heard a lineman get interviewed. He's the one that's blocking. He could easily just say, oh, I don't care about you and just step aside. You want the quarterback? Here you go. Have fun. Sorry. Right? They're the guys that are blocking. Right? And I love like many good quarterbacks in the NFL. Guess who they take out to dinner? They're lying because they know that they're the ones that are protecting from getting his face smashed in. Right? And those linebackers and other guys coming after him. They take out these good quarterbacks. Say, hey, guys, I'm taking you out to dinner. Have fun because I love you and please protect me because I don't want to get hurt, right? And I love interviews that, that, that talk about team mentality. We, I've, I couldn't have done this without the other guys. This was a team effort, right? That, that's exactly what we see in the Trinity. It's a team effort. And so let's work together as a team, be part of the team. The second thing I want you to see about Trinitarian living, it's, it's, it's personal. It's not just this concept that's far away. God actually comes near to us. God actually gets into our lives. He came and lived among us in human, uh, he came and lived among us in human form in the person of Jesus Christ. Not only that, he gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and to comfort us and to help us. And so how do we draw near? Well, well, the church has to be more than just a place we come to. The church has to be a place where we're actually doing life together. We need to be close to one another. Church has to be more than just coming to church on Sunday and leaving. Um, I love seeing all of you doing that life together, helping each other, praying for each other, actually living out your Christian walk with, with one another. And this is where I would encourage you. Um, that's why it's so vital to get involved in a small group or, or to be part of a, of a smaller group. I had, there's a, a couple that visited on Wednesday and they came out after the service and they said, you know, I like, I liked how we were in tables and we got to know the people around our table. We, we like that. We liked being smaller and, and getting to know one another. Um, that's how personal the Trinity is. It's God's not far. We actually came down. He lived among us. And then Jesus says, I'm going to give you another comfort that's actually going to live inside of you that's going to empower you, that's going to give you gifts so that the body of Christ is lifted up where you will never, ever feel alone. Do you realize that you're never alone? That he's always there with you in your deepest, darkest times where you feel like you're all alone, God is right there. He's not far away. He hasn't left you. He's right there. And Jesus says, I'm going to give a comfort to you in the Holy Spirit that's going to lead you and guide you. You don't have to fear. I'm going to leave, but don't, don't worry. Because I'm going to bless you with the Holy Spirit. And not only is he going to dwell among you, he's going to dwell actually inside of you 
to be your comforter, to give you power for living each and every day. So live that out in your life, realizing that, that God is close. And the last thing that I see about Trinitarian living is this, is that it's all about giving. I, I love that, that God gave the son and the son gave the spirit. It's all about giving. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That Jesus says, I'm going to send you another. I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit to live and dwell among you. It's all about giving. One thing that, that we can look at in our lives, if I'm going to live um, out this Trinitarian life, is that, Lord, allow me to be a giver. And, and it, I was thinking about this. Well, what, is, what is one um, practical thing that, that we could do? Because, you know, we're entering in Thanksgiving's on Thursday. And, and, and what can I do? Here, here's, here's what I want you to do. Think of one thing that you could do this week where you're going to give yourself and you're going to sacrifice something to give to someone else. I, I, I don't whether it's, I, I don't know what it is. Um, maybe you're standing in line and there's somebody in front of you or there's somebody behind you and you're going to say, they've got a couple items there and you're going to say, I'm going to pay for their items. Crazy, right? You're thinking, pastor, you're getting radical now, Right. Maybe you're in the restaurant, maybe you're at a fast food place and there's somebody in front of you, you're going to say, um, let, let me pay, let me pay for, 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 their, for their meal. Crazy, right? Just do something bizarre that just catches somebody off guard. Write someone a letter or email or something of someone that truly encouraged you in your life and just tell them, you know what? I just want to write you email. I just want to tell you, maybe it's face-to-face, maybe if they're not near email, you know, snail mail, however you do it. Um, and just write them and say, you know what? You really encouraged me in my life. I just want to tell you that I'm thankful for you and I'm very grateful for your life because this is what you've, you've meant to me and this is what you did for me. You know, maybe you see a pile of dishes in, in, the, dishwa- in, the, in the sink and you're like, and you pretend they're not there, <laughs> right? And you know that they're there, but you ignore it. Just do something that is beyond yourself, expectations, and just sacrifice. Here's the thing I want you to realize. God gave everything to sacrifice for you and I. Gave everything for us so that he could be, so that he could literally draw us near to him. He gave everything. And so God, the father gives us his son. The son gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can know him and have fellowship with him. And so, so let's live this concept of the Trinity in our very lives on, on, on how to walk in unity with one another, um, sacrificing things in our lives to give to other people, to lift them up, allowing God to use our gifts and talents, being personal with one another and how we get involved in small groups. Let's, let's live that concept out in um, our, our lives. And so um, what, what I wanted to, to do, I'm going to close in prayer, but um, how many of you that, that grew up in church, you would sing the doxology in closing? Praise God through whom all blessings flow. How many, just raise your hand if you remember the doxology. Wow, good. I, we sang it every week um, in, in church that I, I grew up in. So some of you are going to be like, it's going to be flashback. Some of you are starting to sweat now. You're like... Man, I remember those days. That was rough. Um, but here's, here's what I love about the doxology. It's a beautiful song. It's beautiful. And it talks about 
giving praise to God. And, and I love the end where it says, what does it talk about? It talks about praising who? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, I grew up singing that all the time. But here's the thing. It was all up here. But when it came here, it totally changed my life. And God wants you to not just know him up here. He wants to change your heart that you would know him and experience him in a real way. So I want to pray for you. And then we're going to close. And we're going to sing um, the doxology. We're going to go a little Presbyterian on everybody this morning. And uh, I grew up Presbyterian, so I'm going to go a little Presbyterian on you this morning. Amen? Amen. You former Presbyterians, praise God. They're okay. A little weird, but they're okay. We all love the Presbyterians. So let's pray and, uh, and let's ask God just to go with us. And then we're, gonna, we're just going to close um, by singing the doxology as we, as we close in that song today. So, Lord, we, we thank you for who you are, that you want to know us in a real way. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, that the three work in perfect unity, different but the same. That God, you want to work in our lives, that you want to know us in such a, 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 a beautiful way. And even though it may be hard for our finite minds to completely wrap our minds around God being three in one, um, Lord, we know this one thing, that you want to know us and that you want, to, want us to live this Trinitarian belief out in our lives. And by the way we treat one another, how we live out our lives how we fellowship with one another, how we lift up one another. That's, that's allowing this belief to become real in our lives by the way we live it out in our daily living. So Lord, I just thank you for your love. And I pray for anyone here that has just not come into that relationship with you, Jesus, that Lord, we thank you that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That it's, you're no respecter of our past or anything else. Anyone who humbles themselves and comes to you and confesses you as Lord and Savior, shall be saved. And that gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of eternal life, is free for those who put their faith in the only one who can give our lives back to us, and that's Jesus Christ. So, Lord, just touch your people, touch their hearts, God. And we just thank you for this um, Thanksgiving season. We pray for our country, God. Lord, I pray for every individual here, every family that's just struggling, God. Um, maybe struggling in their family, maybe struggling in relationships, God, you're a God that restores all things. That you can take even the brokenness and the ugly things that have happened. And, and, and the gospel message is that Jesus came to restore the brokenness of people. And the brokenness that sin has left behind. So I pray, God, for restoration. And I pray that, that you would heal that brokenness in every heart here today. And so, Lord, I know for some, Thanksgiving becomes a very tense time because maybe they're going to be around family that... That, that they're not very fond of, or maybe there's tension because of the past. I pray you would break through that, God. And I pray you would use us to break through that and offer grace and forgiveness and to allow your healing to flow. Let us live that out in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's stand and let's, um, let's sing the doxology together. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. 
let's sing it again. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you want to know us. And we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for ministering to us each and every day. Thank you, God, that you're a father that we can run to. And I know there's many here today that maybe they didn't have an earthly father, but you're a father that will never leave us. You're a father that always tells us that you're proud of us, that you love us, that you believe in us. Thank you for being a perfect dad. And I know for many here today, that's a hard concept to understand because their earthly dad maybe wasn't there, but you are a perfect dad. You're that Abba Father that we can run to and just jump into your lap. And you will no wise cast us out. Thank you, Jesus, for being a perfect Savior, that you gave your life for us, that you care about our brokenness, that you poured out your grace upon us, even though we deserve death, you took our death for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live inside of us, that whenever we feel alone or we feel like no one cares, the Holy Spirit is there. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that even the Bible says that when we don't even know what to pray, you pray through us with groans and utterings that can't even be expressed at times. Thank you for being there for us at our most lowest times. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us. That nothing can separate us from your love. May we be a people that live out the Trinity in our lives each and every day. So thank you, God, for loving us today and for receiving us. For we ask all these things. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen.